Chapter 11 Levin emptied his glass and they were silent for a while. There is this one thing I ought to tell you. Do you know Vronsky? Stepan Arkadyevich asked Levin. No, I do not. Why? Could you give us another bottle? Stepan Arkadyevich directed the Tatar who was filling up their glasses and fidgeting around them just when he was not wanted. Why you ought to know Vronsky is that he is one of your rivals. Who is he? said Levin, and his face was suddenly transformed from the look of childlike ecstasy which Oblonsky had just been admiring to an angry and unpleasant expression. Vronsky is one of the sons of Count Kirill Ivanovich Vronsky, and one of the finest specimens of the gilded youth of Petersburg. I made his acquaintance in Tver when I was there on official business, and he came there for the levy of recruits, fearfully rich, handsome, great connections, aide-de-camp, and with all that a very nice good-natured fellow, but he's more than simply a good-natured fellow, as I found other. He's a cultivated man, too, and very intelligent. He's a man who will make his mark. Levin scowled and was dumb. Well, he turned up here soon after you had gone, and as I can see, he's overhead in years in love with Kitty, and you know that her mother... Excuse me, but I know nothing, said Levin, frowning gloomily. And immediately he recollected his brother Nikolai and how hateful he was to have been able to forget him. Wait, 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 said Stepan Arkadyevich, smiling and touching his hand. I've told you what I know, and I repeat that in this delicate and tender matter. As far as one can conjecture, I believe the chances are in your favor. Levin dropped back in his chair, his face was pale. But I would advise you to settle the thing as soon as may be, pursued Oblonsky, filling up his glass. No thanks, I cannot drink any more, said Levin, pushing away his glass. I shall be drunk. Tell me, how are you getting on? He went on, obviously anxious to change the conversation. One word more. In any case, I advise you to settle the question soon. Tonight I don't advise you to speak, said Stepan Arkadyevich. Go round tomorrow morning. May an offer in due form, and God bless you. Oh, do you still think of coming to me for some shooting? Come next spring. Do, said Levin. Now his whole soul was full of remorse that he had begun this conversation with Stepan Arkadyevich. A feeling such as his was profaned by talk of the rivalry of St. Petersburg officer, of the suppositions and the counsels of Stepan Arkadyevich. Stepan Arkadyevich smiled. He knew what was passing in Levin's soul. I will come, some day, he said. But women, my boy, they are the pivot. Everything turns upon. Things are in a bad way with me, very bad. And it is all through women. Tell me frankly now, he pursued, picking up a cigar and keeping one hand on his glass. Give me your advice. Why, what is it? Let me tell you. Suppose you are married and you love your wife. But you are fascinated by another woman. Excuse me, but I am absolutely unable to comprehend how. Just as I cannot comprehend how I could now, after my dinner, go straight to a baker's shop and steal a roll. Stepan Arkadyevich's eyes sparkled more than usual. Why not? A roll will sometimes smell so good, one cannot resist it. Himnish istis when ich bin zwungen meine irdische begir. 
Aber doch, wenn es nicht gelungen hatte ich auch recht hübsch Plisier. As he said this Stepan Arkadyevich smiled sadly. Levin too could not help smiling. Yes, but, joking apart, resumed Stepan Arkadyevich, you must understand that the woman is a sweet, gentle, loving creature, poor and lonely, and has sacrificed everything. Now, when the thing is done, don't you see, can only possibly cast her off? Even supposing he one parts off from her, so as not to break up one's family life still, can one help feeling for her, setting her on her feet, softening her lot? Well, you must excuse me there. You know, to me all women are divided into two classes. At least, no, truer to say. There are women and there are... I've never seen exquisite fallen beings and I never shall see them, but such creatures as that painted French woman at the counter with their inklets are burning to my mind. And all fallen women are the same. How about the Magdalene? I'll drop that. Christ would never have said those words if he had known how they would be abused. Of all the gospel, those words are the only ones remembered. However, I'm not saying so much what I think as what I feel. I have loathing for fallen women. You're afraid of spiders, and I of these vermin. Most likely you have not made a study of spiders and don't know their character, and so it is with me. Oh, it's very well for you to talk like that. It's very much like that gentleman in Dickens, who used to fling all difficult questions over his right shoulder. But to deny the facts is no answer. What's to be done, you tell me? Tell me that. What is to be done? Your wife gets older, you're full of life. Before you have time to look round, you feel that you can't love your wife with love, however much you may esteem her. And then, all at once love turns up and you're done for. Done for, Stepan Arkadyevich said with very despair. Levin half smiled. Yes, you are done for, resumed Oblonsky. But what is to be done? Do not steal rolls, Stepan Arkadyevich laughed outright. A moralist. But you must understand there are two women. One insists only on her rights, and those rights are your love, which you can't give her. And the other sacrifices everything for you and asks for nothing. What are you going to do? How are you to act? There is a fearful tragedy in it. If you care for my profession of faith as regards that, I'll tell you that I don't believe there was any tragedy about it. And this is why, to my mind, love, both sorts of love, which you remember Plato defines in his banquet, served as the test of men. Some men only understand one sort, and some only the other. And those who only know the non-platonic love have no need to talk of tragedy. In such love there can be no sort of tragedy. I am much obliged for the gratification, my humble respects. That's all the tragedy. And in platonic love there can be no tragedy, because in that love all is clear and pure. Because at that instant Levin recollected his own sins, and the inner conflict he had lived through, and he had it unexpectedly. But maybe you're right, very likely. I don't know. It is this, don't you see, said Stepan Arkadyevich. You're very much for all the peace. That's your strong point and your failing. You have a character that's all of a piece, and you want the whole of life to be of a piece too. But that's not how it is. You despise public official work because you want the reality to be invariably corresponding all the while with the aim, and that's not how it is. You want man's work too, always to have a defined aim. And love and family life always was to be undivided. That's not how it is. 
all the variety, all the charm, all the beauty of life is made up of light and shadow. Levin sighed and made no reply. He was thinking of his own affairs and did not hear Oblonsky. And suddenly both of them felt that though they were friends, though they had been dining and drinking together, which should have drawn them closer, it, each was thinking only of his own affairs and they had nothing to do with one another. Oblonsky had more than once experienced this extreme sense of aloofness instead of intimacy, coming on after dinner, and he knew what to do in such cases. A bill, he called, and he went into the next room where he promptly came across an aide-de-camp of his acquaintance and dropped into conversation with him about an actress and her protector. And at once in the conversation with the aide-de-camp, Oblonsky had a sense of relaxation and relief after the conversation with Levin, which always put him to too great mental and spiritual strain. When the Tatar appeared with a bill for 26 rubles and odd kopecks, besides a tip for himself, Levin, who would another time have been horrified, like anyone from the country, at his share of 14 rubles, did not notice it, paid and set off homewards to dress and go to the Sherbatskis there to decide his fate.